When people in the Midlands want to talk, they talk to Will Faulkner. Love is in the air, it's Valentine's Day, but it's also the start of Lent. A friend of mine has decided he's going to, along with the other half, give up chocolate, takeaway and swearing. And I was wondering, which of those would be the most difficult to go without? Because there's a certain therapy in all of them. Anyway, when you call 0818 300 103 is my number. You can text or WhatsApp 083 30 10 103. Powered by Lamb Brothers Toyota in Tullamore. Lots of Valentine's Day prizes for you in case you haven't gotten organised. Also, the Chinese New Year. Something else to celebrate. The romance scams and millions of euro being taken from people across the country. But it's here in the Midlands as well. We'll have a look at some local cases. And Peter Dunn gets active one more time. Well, hopefully many more times, uh, but he is having a setback in his couch to marathon. More details in around two hours' time. Now, front pages this morning, where will we begin? Irish Daily Star, Mum's Murder Charge. And you see the picture of the little schoolboy, six-year-old Matthew Healy, who was found dead in a car on the 9th of February near Dunmore East in County Waterford. And his mother, Ruth Purcell Healy, 37 years of age, of Bishopsfield in Waterford City, was brought before a special sitting of the district court there yesterday. So that actually is a story featured on the front of most of the morning papers. Irish Times goes with something different. Varadkar accuses Israel of becoming blinded by rage, he says. And Dennis O'Brien, as if he didn't have enough money, is celebrating a big win. He sold the Beacon Hospital for over €400 million. And according to the Irish Times, that's a tidy profit of €100 million for Dinny. The Irish Examiner picks up on Leo Varadkar's comments, Israel acting like a monster in Gaza. But over on The Independent and on The Daily Mail, it's all about toy show the musical, and you can expect more on that today when RTE appears before an Oireachtas committee. But The Independent has a particularly interesting angle because they've spoken to the writer of Toy Show, the musical, or rather the first writer because she was drafted in at very short notice around about April of 2022. The plans were well hatched by then. In only a month, she had come up with the script and then found it was being changed and tweaked and eventually her script was dropped. She was dumped as a writer. She wasn't really given a reason why. But she describes the management style in RTE as computer says no and very dictatorial, but also a bit haphazard, as if we couldn't have guessed that already. Anyway, that's the main story on the front of the Irish Independent. Now, lots about romance, given that it is Valentine's Day 
and Gorthy have issued a warning because, unfortunately, fraudsters love to pounce on just about anybody who's vulnerable, whether it's the elderly, whether it's the lonely, whether it's those looking for love. And one woman was scammed out of €450,000, it says, to a person she met online and believed was her new romantic partner. And she is one of 245 people, mainly women, who have come forward to report the scams since 2019. And between these women, they've lost seven million quid. Not all women. In one case, a man in his 50s made a connection on a dating app with a woman he believed was based in Asia and he interacted with her for some time, not just over text. They were speaking by phone and they agreed to start a relationship. And the first payment he gave her was €2,100 towards the cost of travelling to Ireland. And ultimately, he gave her €36,000. Now, that's perhaps the bit that you end up scratching the head. Fair enough, you might might, if you're very generous and if you've got the money, you might give somebody a loan to come visit you. But to go in again and again and again and eventually to 36 grand? Anyway, that's in the Irish Times if you want to read a little more. There is a new Valentine's shop opening in Dublin and it's showing rather the darker side of love. Women's Aid has set this up and they will be selling grim Valentine's gifts such as love heart balloons with messages saying, let me see your phone. A GPS tracker disguised as a necklace. And, well, you get the idea. I know the point they're making. It does kind of kill the mood a bit, doesn't it? Here's one, though, that'll lift the mood again. A Dublin man is expecting an avalanche of requests today after offering his service for anybody needing company on Valentine's Day. Now, he's doing this tongue firmly in cheek because he's not prepared to put the tongue anywhere else. Uh, For €200, you can get a friend zone package, which is one hour of basically hanging out. No touching, no hand-holding, just to make you feel a bit less lonely. Nice guy. Uh, For £350, you get the Innocent Romance Package, which is a one-hour walk along a beach or in a park, hand-holding in private only and no photos. But if you want to stump up for the full €2,000, you can get the dating package. So he'll spend three hours with you. He'll bring you to dinner. Doesn't say if he'll pay now, but anyway. You go to the movie, you get CDs, you get chocolates, you get unlimited hand-holding and a kiss goodnight, but no tongue, he says. Your name will also appear on his Instagram bio for seven days. Mm. So you're probably thinking this guy looks like Brad Pitt or Ryan Gosling. No, he is 57 years of age. He lives in Balbriggan. And according to our Sinead, you wouldn't. So I think he's doing it purely for laughs. Anyway, that's in the Irish Independent today. Let's move on to the more serious stories. The... People who unfortunately have found their mortgages taken over by vulture funds, and we're talking 100,000 homeowners across the country. The financial ombudsman, you would imagine, would be able to intervene on your behalf. A mortgage is, after all, a financial product. But apparently not, according to this story in the Irish Independent. Lots of people have taken complaints 
to the central bank, and the central bank has had to turn around and say, sorry, can't do. They've then gone to the Financial Services and Pensions Ombudsman. Elizabeth Macaulay is one such person who submitted her complaint in 2020. Her loan was sold by Danske Bank in 2016, and the Ombudsman came back to her saying, sorry, we cannot deal with the complaint because the mortgage wasn't registered until 2019. Real head-scratching stuff. Excuse-making and ball-passing and really not good enough. Would you agree? Anyway, Irish Independent. Um, back to the lighter side of the news, I think. This year's Super Bowl has become the most watched programme in the United States since the 1969 moon landing. Can you imagine the viewership if we had sent Taylor Swift to the moon? Okay, she wasn't even the glint in her dad's eye back in 1969, but you know what I mean. That's what Super Bowl was all about. Not the clash of Kansas City and the San Francisco 49ers. It was about Taylor Swift heading into the crowd and hanging out with Blake Lively. And anyway... Finally for now, what are you going to watch tonight if you are feeling loved up? Because Casablanca has been named as the most romantic film. Never watched it. I know, a sheltered existence, but 1942 is when it came out, so uh, depending on your vintage, you might prefer Titanic. It was named as the number two most romantic movie, followed by Moulin Rouge, Ghost <clears throat> and Brokeback Mountain. Also features in the top ten. If you're wondering about Dirty Dancing, it's actually bottom of the list at number 50. Francis, you received a text this morning to pay a Garth fine online. Hmm, yes. That's not how it works. And wisely, Francis deleted the text message. They will try anything. And sooner or later, they will catch you. They'll catch all of us. It's just a matter of letting your guard down, unfortunately. And it only takes one moment of inattention for that to happen. Date for your diary if you're living in Killeen in County Leash, South County Leash. Lovely place. Used to play darts, actually, in the local pub when I lived down there once upon a time. Anyway, the annual general meeting of the Killeen Community Group takes place on the 21st of February, that's a week from today, 8pm, Killeen Community Hall. And they are now taking nominations for anybody who wants to join the local community group. Killeen Community Group at hotmail.com. The name you trust with the news you need. Midlands Today with Will Faulkner. Midlands 103. Ian in Ballycumber, you are a generous soul. He says, Will... If you send me €5,000, I'll be able to buy a radio and listen to you every day. Thank you, Ian. Because along with my mammy, you will double the audience. That's fantastic. Also, Will, I fail to understand why Irish politicians have their nose in Israel's affairs. There is a rumour that all of these antics are making large companies pull jobs from the Irish market. And if so... Who will suffer, says Vi on text. And uh, if anything, Leo Varadkar is hardening his stance on that. And just for a little bit of balance, will, will, will. 
The obsession with Taylor Swift is a bit much. The Super Bowl was not the Taylor Swift show. According to the stats, she graced the TV screen for a mere 54 seconds during the event, less than a minute, making up 0.36% of the entire broadcast, says Mike. Mike, that is why you are here, to bring balance to the force. The point was more, actually, when you woke up on Monday morning, you open up your newsfeed. Taylor Swift arrives at Super Bowl. Taylor Swift in crowd at Super Bowl. Taylor Swift picks her nose at Super Bowl. It was all about Taylor Swift. That was a media thing, you see. Um, One more before we move on to a less pleasing side of Valentine's Day. Will, could you throw this out? I'm wondering how Irish marriages have lasted for 30, 40, 50 years. Because I find it impossible to treat my husband for Valentine's Day. Is it just another day? Or are Irish men in their 60s not romantic? Now, gents, if you are in your 60s, do you feel romantic? Ladies, is the gentleman in your life, if he is in that age category, has he lost some of his luster? Or is it just, nah, we're not buying into this whole commercial thing? I'm not quite in the 60s, thankfully not in the 50s yet. I'm in the 40s. You begin to think, nah. But then again, if I go home with no flowers, no chocolates, no presents, you mightn't hear me on the radio tomorrow. But at least I know who I'm going home to. There are many people, unfortunately, over the last few years who have been interacting with prospective partners online only to discover they were not who they pretended to be. And there have been more than 245 victims of romance fraud, amounting to, in one case, the loss of uh, €380,000. Hmm... Sergeant Graeme Cavanagh is Crime Prevention Officer in Leash Offaly. Graeme, you're welcome to the programme. Morning, Will. You're a bit of a romantic, aren't you? Oh, very much so, but I know I, I, I learned it all from you, you see. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, it's, it's, suppose it's not a, it's, it's not something that just happens around this time of year. This is year-round, and we use Valentine's Day because of the romance element to raise awareness of this. Um, we've had nearly €7 million Euro reported in romance frauds in the past five years. A lot of money. Um, and really, there's no real... Um, I can't say that it's younger people or older people that it affects. It affects people across the age spectrum. Um, and a lot of the time, like all frauds, they're depending on, I suppose, vulnerability. Somebody might be looking for love, for example, and they're using the, mod- the new dating apps. Um, and when you look at them, like there's people of all ages using them, and they're, I suppose, combing it, looking for identifying the profile that suits what they're looking for, and they'll build up a conversation with you. They'll take it off the app onto one of the other platforms, WhatsApp, for example, or email, and they build up, build up, and they've got a good job and a, break, a, a sob story. And ultimately, sometimes they look for money. You'll give them money and they'll pay it back. But ultimately, really, what they're trying to do is get you to give them your money. And unfortunately, like you said at the start, one victim, 380,000, one other victim, 450,000, over 18 transactions. So, like, you're talking serious amounts of money. But this is the piece that a lot of people question, that 
in one instance, giving money to somebody, you might be duped, you might feel generous, you might feel, okay, they have a sob story and it's legit. Yeah. 18 times? That's all part of the whole, I suppose, drawing you in. You don't realise it's a problem until you've reached that amount of money or your money's gone. Or, the you know, the thing we always say, if you get that feeling in your stomach, the hunch that there's something not right, um, when you get that feeling, that's when you call and a stop to it. Um, I don't know. I mean, every single one of these incidents has a victim behind it, you know, and there's obviously a reason why they were drawn in the way they were. Um, a lot of it is confidence tricks. Um, it could be loneliness. Um, sometimes there's an element of the whole investment fraud thing that they think they're going to get rich quick because they're using cryptocurrency. Mm, mm. So there's the whole area there, you know. But would, uh, and my reason for loneliness. asking, by the way, isn't to shame anybody because yeah. clearly people come into this feeling, I'm not going to be conned. And many of these people have good jobs. They're clever, intelligent individuals. So the the art of deception must be very, very good. It is. And I suppose if you even if you went down to the actual nuts and bolts of what's involved, these people that are, I suppose, engaging with you, they're reading from a script. So they know they've done their research. They know how to draw somebody in. They're looking at your profile and they're using fake profiles themselves and they know how to draw you in and how to, I suppose, break you. Um, and they might do this for 100 people. They're not going to succeed with 100 people. They just need to succeed with a few and they get the money off them, you know. So it's very much a scripted thing. They know how to pull on the heartstrings of somebody, especially somebody that's looking for, I suppose, a life companion or, or, or whatever, you know. And they know how to use that against you. And ultimately, like every other scam, they're just looking for your money. And when the game is up and you realise, uh-oh, I've been duped, you go to the Gorvi. What are the chances of recovering your funds? It is a crime, after all. It is a crime. So it's a few areas, I suppose. Um, we really need to chase down where the money's gone to. So if it's gone into cryptocurrency, that, there can be difficulties in trying to recover that money to go into coal wallets or they're generally going outside of the Republic of Ireland. If they're transferred via normal bank accounts, there might be an opportunity that we can chase it down. But then you're looking at the whole money laundering thing. Because don't forget... The people that are involved in this are the same people that are involved, say, in the issues where we see younger people being caught for money muling. It's all organised crime. And they're going to have multiple bank accounts to bounce money through. So it's, it is, we do have successes, but it's a slow process to try and achieve that. So what's the practical best advice, given that we are in 2024, people interact yeah. online there's a huge industry behind it as well. How do you separate the real from the fraud? So you're going to have to do a bit of research yourself. So the usual thing is use the reputable dating sites and stay messaging on, messaging on them. Sometimes people go off that and it's a chance you take. You might be lucky and you might find some genuine, but the thing about taking it, if they're rushing you to take it offline, a few red flags. The image they're using, there's a thing called Google reverse image search. Um, Google to see how you do it. But basically, you can reverse search that image and you'll see that image has been used before in other situations or it might be just a stock image from online. Uh, be very careful about your personal information you're giving out. Uh, don't give addresses or any you know, documentation, passports, driver licenses. If they look for them sort of stuff, they're red flags. Why would anybody want them? Um, send them money. Why would you send money to a complete stranger? That's 
looking to, I suppose, for companionship. If somebody's genuine looking for companionship, they're not looking for money. That's not what they're looking for, you know. So they're the questions you ask yourself, why are they looking for that? Mm. I see um, in one instance there was somebody posing as an online trader. And so yeah. maybe a little bit of greed took over or, you know, somebody says, I can turn €2,000 into five grand next week. Yeah, exactly. So don't invest your money in any opportunity offered by the person that you connected with online. Always seek independent financial legal advice. That's what the advice says. And that's the same with everything, you know, whether it's the investment frauds or whether it's this romance. There's no way of getting rich quick unless you win the lotto. Um, but definitely under this thing, if somebody is genuinely looking for love, they're not looking for you to make an investment. They're not looking for you to give them your money. They might be looking for you to pay for dinner, all right, but they're mm. certainly not looking for you to give them your money. By the way, I've been playing the lotto 30 years. I'm still not rich. That's not quick. Yeah, but you're a romantic at heart. <laughs> that's the main thing. All right. Finally, um, these people, are they are there local cases? Is it a Dublin phenomenon? No, unfortunately, it's national. I mean, we would have instances in our own division, where we'd have people that would, I suppose, initially get involved in the, I suppose, the dating side, the romance side. And then ultimately it leads to an investment of money into cryptocurrencies. So we have a number of cases on our, where we're investigating this, you know, so it's not just Dublin centric. It affects everybody in every town, village, city around the country. All right, Graham, appreciate your time. Thank you and have a great Valentine's Day. I will, Will, thanks. Graham Kavanagh is the Crime Prevention Officer in Lee Shoffley. Disagree? Feel free. Text or WhatsApp Midlands today yeah. on 083 103. Midlands 103. I hope you're sitting down. The National Children's Hospital. Uh, you can probably tell where this is going. Uh, the final bill has gone up again. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an extra 500 million euro over all of the previous increases you had been told about. And we're now looking at a final figure of 2.24 billion euro, which makes it one of the most expensive hospitals in the world. For instance, in Bern in Switzerland, they built a bigger 532-bed, 18-storey hospital for 700 million quid. Ours is coming in at three times that amount. So when will it open and... When will patients be able to avail of it? And all of those other questions will hopefully have answers after 10. Now, as well as it being the start of Lent, and as well as Valentine's Day, and as well as Shrove Tuesday, uh, this week also saw the beginning of the Chinese New Year, which was welcomed in over last weekend. Ronan Berry has been finding out more about Chinese culture and communities here in the Midlands, and he's been talking with Bernard Tao Kui from the Technological University of the Shannon in Athlone, who has been living here in Ireland for the last 20 years. 20 years ago, and I was looking to study abroad, and Ireland seems to be, like, while well, my uh, parents of France knows, knows Ireland really well, and she, she, she told me Ireland is a nice country, English-speaking, and which uh, has really high-quality education system. So I came over here, firstly enjoyed the 
doing English language for three months. And then I made my way to Athlon and uh, never left and still here after nearly 20 years. Of course, interesting time to come to Ireland. Things were still very much in what we'd call the boom. You know, the country was quite vibrant. It was money flowing. Uh, interesting time to, to arrive in, in Ireland. What was it like at first when you came here? Was it, did it meet the expectations that your parents had had, had for it? Yes, but I got awful shock on the way from the airport to the uh, to the host family I had. At the, that day, I had to, like uh, arranged the taxi driver picked picked me up at um, at the airport, and he was on the motorway from the uh, airport to the uh, the host family. He was driving while eating a burger, so I, I got an awful shock over that. But jokes joking aside. Like you know, my first impression of Ireland was was fantastic. Was green everywhere, and people seems to be uh, like very friendly and uh, like you know uh, good manners. Like you know, so I, I like I never regret the decision of coming over to Ireland. Did you do you come from a highly a densely populated part of China or a more rural area? I kept joking with my friends. I said I came from a very small town in China, but oh. we have <laughs> we have half million population. Yeah, tiny town, tiny, tiny town. town. Yeah, half the population of Dublin, half. effectively. Yeah, but I suppose small by by Chinese standards. Yes, you came to Athlone then to begin your your undergraduate degree. I yeah, I did. I came to Athlone in September two thousand four. Uh, study. Uh, I first, firstly, I, I studied the foundation program, and then moved on. Did my degree in accounting, and became a qualified accountant, and worked in industry and practice over the last twenty years. And yet, included roles with companies such as RBK, kind of yeah. big, high-profile, good, 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 good organizations. How did you begin then your career in in what would have been? Probably was at Loan Institute of Technology, but wasn't RTC days, was it? No, 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 IT no. Days. How, no. How did you get into at Loan first into into Institute of Technology? Uh, yeah, like look, and um, uh, like if you recall back then, uh, there's not too many colleges and universities offer accounting program. I, I, I like I. I'm always want to. I like business. I, I like like working in business. Why kind of qualified or why finished my degree? And I felt back then and still feel the same thing. Accounting is something can can kind of accelerate my career and can I can bring that qualification to me or with me to everywhere. Like you know, so that's why I like I choose that long, given the reputation of the accounting program. Like you know, in AIT back then. So afterwards, after you had graduated, you know, your career took you certain directions. You came back then because a job opening came. It was nice, I'd say, to to land back in and again and, and begin literally as a lecturing role because I suppose I let people know that's how I first met you a number of years back, about yeah. three, four years ago. I was yeah. doing a master's in engineering yeah. and uh, you unfortunately had, you had the privilege of being my lecturer for finance, one of my strongest subjects. I, I did, I did. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And um, look, after working in industry for many years, first of all, I want to say I always enjoy teaching and I always uh, worked with the international students in Athlone IT uh, back then and I really enjoyed working with them and um, uh, like after working in the industry I saw a job opening in Athlone IT back then and I applied for it and um, lucky enough I got the job and um, yeah I'm still like I did the job for I did the lecture job for two years and then last year uh, the head of department or HOD job came up 
and uh, I felt like you know I could make a positive contribution to the department, and so I, I went for the job, and lucky enough, I got the job as well. Yeah, big responsibility, nice role. Many many people, approximately in, under you, under you in terms of uh, staff and students. Yeah, like we have um, about um, twenty three full time staff, and then uh, about ten to fifteen part time staff in the department. I have about treat four hundred, sorry, four about four hundred students in my department. And look, it is a lot of responsibility, but again, it's a privilege uh, to work with them. Like you know, and I felt like um, uh, every day is a different challenge, which is really really interesting. And I suppose over the last couple of years, even there's been a lot of change in terms of education. You know, we've gone through those years of COVID where education effectively went online too. So there's lots of additional challenges to navigate too. Uh, yeah, it is. Like there are, there are, especially COVID changed a lot of things. And uh, but look, we work as a team, and uh, like you know, we uh, we adapt, we we learn, and uh, we. We, we innovate, like, you know, but, um, uh, like, you know, that gave us, like, uh, positive feedbacks from the students and from the community. So, yeah, I still very, felt very lucky, like, you know, to navigate all that, all that kind of, like, uh, to be a head of department in TUS at long and to navigate with the team through those issues, like, you know. Is there a strong Chinese community around the Midlands? Yes, and uh, I, I think college played an important role of university now played an important role uh, in that um, uh, in that um, to create a strong Chinese community in Atlong and in Midlands and in terms of even as as early as early 2000 the college uh, AIT went to China established a partnership with Chinese universities and Chinese colleges bringing the Chinese students to Midland and a lot of them went back to China since but like a portion of them stayed in Atlong and in the towns around Atlong as well. And they are hardworking and uh, diligent and intelligent people. And they, 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 they make positive contributions to, to, to the Midland and uh, to the Atlong community as well. And many like yourselves have, you know, begun to call Ireland home. You've started raising your families here as well. So like your own children then, do they consider themselves... Chinese Irish, Irish Chinese, Irish. Where do they sit on that? And and uh, I suppose we're going to touch on Chinese culture now. Like, how do you put work into kind of really maintaining those links with with, with home and with China? Uh, yes, like uh, personally, I do. I, I see a lot of my uh, my friends. They they have children as well. They do the same thing as well. They we try our best to make sure that our children uh, aware that they are kind of Chinese origin and uh, to be they are aware of Chinese culture Chinese language and we in Antlong we before COVID we have this um, Chinese language schools and which um, educating kind of uh, younger people between 5 to 11 12 years old every Saturday they have a school organized in Northgate Street in Antlong and they learn Chinese culture culture and learn Chinese language there as well. Yeah, and even like, you know, going back to the Chinese New Year, my parents and ourselves uh, make sure we celebrate the Chinese New Year. We want to let our children, my, I have a daughter, she's 10 years old, let her know this is her culture and like you know, even 
Her English is better than her Chinese at the moment, but like still, we we try our best to make sure that she is aware of everything is going on in China at the moment. For people who may not really be aware, how how important is celebrating the beginning of Chinese New Year? It it, it is uh, Chinese New Year. I like you know I. I don't want to make the make the comparison, but I think it's bigger than Christmas in Ireland, and uh, Chinese New Year is a fifteen two weeks celebration, and like in China, people may work in a different town, different city, but coming to the Chinese New Year Chinese New Year's time, they always travel back home. They spend this time, the Chinese Chinese New Year time, with their family. They can this. Reunion or like you know, uh, celebrating the Chinese New Year as a family is really important. You probably heard on the news or read on the newspaper there, uh, this Chinese New Year Spring Festival travel rush is a phenomenal in China, and during a short period of forty days, there's about three hundred fifty million people and on the road traveling back to home. Wow! And and they they it's really really huge huge kind of like um, event. You compared it in some ways to Christmas and um, you people look at the Christmas season now and there's often a lot of talk about it's lost its kind of religious significance or it's losing it it's becoming more commercialized has Chinese New Year does it remain the same or is it, is, is it also getting very commercialized or is it still kind of grounded in those earlier roots? It's become more commercialized. Like, you know, I, I can see that trend. Like, you know, we know uh, the business, uh, and the, the big corporations will make sure there'll be more commercial element into the Chinese New Year. But still, we're going back to, uh, like, the, the rules. Like, we, we also put a great emphasis on the family, on the family values during this season. But again, like, you know, it did, is certainly influenced by 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 the big corporations that the business are there as well. Like you know, at the moment, this year is the year of the dragon. Yes. What does that mean? Yeah, the, the dragon. You probably like heard about the Chinese zodiacs. There's a twelve uh, animal signs in there. Dragon is the fifth one, and dragon is special in Chinese culture. And uh, back, uh, we had empires in China. Only the empire could wearing. Uh, dragon and could have dragon as, uh, like you know, as a um, uh, decorative kind of symbol in his his kind of place, and dragon in China are symbol of power, strength, good fortune in Chinese mythology, and uh, people who born in the year of dragon, which is this year, and normally be deemed as uh, as uh, like you know have favorable opportunities and they will achieve something bigger in their career. And personally, they may have, they may be very ambitious, may, may be very courage. So it's a good year for having babies in China. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or, or babies in Ireland. Yeah, babies in Ireland too, yeah. As well, yeah. From, from on a personal level, you know, does the animal or the, of, the, of the zodiac, does it, does it help you inform your own kind of motivations or goals for the year ahead? Or is it largely more looking at the newborns who come into the, into the world this year? I, I think... Subconsciously, yes, we like you know. We always feel like we always like the year of dragon, and will give us a bit of good fortune throughout the year. Uh, maybe personal life and the career as well. And I, I think that is certainly gave us 
the positive thinking in our head. And everybody think this is a good year. If you recall after COVID, everybody going through a bit of tough time. And this is a good kind of positive influence on our mind at least. I think mind, positive mind will yield somehow positive results. Nice, nice sentiment from Bernard Tau Kui, a lecturer in the Technological University of the Shannon in Athlone, speaking there with Ronan Berry, who you can hear on Taking Care of Business, Tuesdays from 7, and also on Saturday View from 10am. Love the Midlands? Love. Midlands Still on the agenda today, are dating apps only good for a quick hookup? How difficult is it to find lasting love online? The shortage of autism classes in the Midlands. Meet the mum who has applied to 19 schools without success. And is the Midlands 103 couch to marathon leader benched for good? Find out in an hour's time. Plus, Brian Clunan's unfortunate and embarrassing issue has cleared up with cream. So he will be back for DIY in 15 minutes. When you call... 0818 300 103 is the Midlands 103 comment line. You can text or WhatsApp 083 30 10 103, powered by Lamb Brothers Toyota in Tullamore. The government's being accused of falling asleep at the wheel when it comes to the escalating costs of the National Children's Hospital. Ministers were told yesterday the bill has risen by over half a billion euro, the final cost coming in at 2.2 billion. Taoiseach Leo Varadkar told the Doyle no more funding will be allocated to complete the project and it will open for patients next year. Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou MacDonald strongly criticised the coalition's management of the project. And I have to say that this debacle shows that the entire leadership of government is asleep at the wheel. As this fiasco goes from bad to worse, children are waiting longer than ever for care. Eight out of ten children are waiting longer than the Sláinte Care Target for an orthopaedic appointment. Parents of children with scoliosis and spina bifida are at their wits' end. Hugh O'Connell is Deputy Political Editor with the Irish Independent. He's written extensively on the subject today. Morning, Hugh. Good morning, Will. How are you? Would you mind taking us back in time and... This will feel to listeners like it's been going on forever. But how has the bill escalated over the years? Yeah, well, as you say, this has been a long-running saga. Um, I think at one point that the, the hospital was budgeted to come in at 450 million uh, euro, um, but the um, elaborate design. Um, anyone who has seen aerial shots of of the hospital or has seen the hospital even up close if they're driving through Dublin 8 uh, around uh, the vicinity of St. James's Hospital. Uh, curved windows, very elaborate design, very expensive design, um, and no cost management controls in place for it seems for long periods, or so, so it would appear. Um, allied to that, the delays as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic where construction on the site was stopped for a period, um, the uh, inflation in the cost uh, Material cost inflation, which have driven up the, the price of steel and, and, and stuff and, and other uh, raw materials for the construction of the site, the, the outbreak of the war in, in Ukraine, uh, you know, contributing to that. All of that has, has driven up the cost over the last few years. 
um, as well as a kind of a long-running dispute between the, uh, the board responsible for delivering the hospital, the National Pediatric Hospital Development Board, and the contractor, BAM, um, have resulted in this uh, 2.24 billion euro uh, final bill, or what we are told at this point will be the final bill for the hospital. Um, but as the Taoiseach said in the Dáil yesterday, there will be years of disputes with the contractor about payments, uh, even when the hospital is fully open. Uh, this will probably end up in the courts, and it may end up costing a, a hell of a lot more than 2.24 billion euro. But even at that price, it's uh, coming in as one of the most expensive healthcare facilities in the world. Yeah, um, I'm simplifying so, the uh, argument I'm, here, but I, I think BAM has pushed back to say the specification kept changing, and that's why the price yeah, kept changing absolutely. from their point of view. And I know the department disputes some of that. Um, yeah. The important thing for parents and it either children will be, when does it open? Yeah, well, this is the thing. I mean, you know, if you go back to 2016, Tisha Gleo or he was, he was uh, I think he was health minister at the time, said that short of an asteroid hitting the earth, the hospital would open in 2020. Um, it's now 2024, and those words have come back to haunt Leo Bradker, Mary MacDonald. Uh, the Shinsane leader referenced them in the Dáil yesterday. Um, but the, the expected uh, time uh, timetable now is, is that the hospital will be finished by October of this year, uh, and then we'll take, it'll take about six months for Children's Health Ireland, the company that will run the facility, um, to kit it out and get it operational, with the expectation then that the hospital would open sometime in April 2025. Um, you know, look, I, I'd be, I'll be honest with your listeners, uh, you cannot be certain that that will be the opening date. There's every chance that will be uh, delayed further, perhaps until later in 2025. But I mean, I would say I think anyone who has seen the hospital up close will, will see that it's, it's very close to completion. It's well over 90 to 95 percent complete, perhaps more than that at this stage. So we, we are close now um, and it will be a reality, I think, for parents of young children, um, you know, at, at this point that they will be able to, to use this facility in the coming years. And there's no doubt about it. It is a, a world class facility. You're talking about, I think, 300, uh, more than 300 ensuite rooms. Um, you know, world-class facilities that are a world away from the facilities at, at Crumlin's Hosp- uh, Crumlin Children's Hospital and Temple Street Hospital, for example, um, which are, you know, facilities that have been uh, under huge strain over, over decades, really. Great staff working there doing an amazing job, but the infrastructure in which they're working is, is not fit for purpose. So this will be a game-changer. Um, and the I've other seen thing it I'd described in your is, article today, Hugh, as our first digital public hospital. What does that term mean? Yeah. Well, it, it means that that stuff will be digitised. That you might not necessarily be dealing with patient charts and reams of paper and all these kinds of things. It's it's um it's really kind of the, the hospital of the future, I guess. Um, and I suppose one thing that's important for for parents, I guess, is is that, or, or rather for for the general public, I mean, lots of state infrastructure projects run over budget, um, probably not to the scale that this one has, and been delayed as much as this one has. But when it's open, I think public concern about the cost will, will dissipate once people start using the facility and once people see what a great facility it is. That's not to negate the, the, the fiasco that this has been, the scandal that this has been, that is a stain on not just this government, but previous governments and the decisions taken by previous administrations in respect of this, decisions taken mm. by um, by previous ministers. I'm not um, sure the opposition but, but will move on so quickly, though, because there's an article well, in a different I, paper uh, today saying a hospital in Switzerland, a larger building, was produced yeah, for one third right. of the price. Absolutely, yeah. And, and look, the, the opposition will give out. And you heard Marilyn McDonald there in your clip, and David Cullinan was on on the news last night, the Sinn Féin health spokesperson, talking about 
how he, if he, if he was minister, would be meeting weekly with the uh, the hospital board and uh, you know in a bid to try and um, uh, you know contain costs and be more hands on in terms of the management of this. His his accusation um, levelled at the health minister Stephen Donnelly is that he's not taking a, a sufficiently hands on approach in respect in respect of all of this. Um, but ultimately, you know, Sinn Féin will that they're not going to stop paying the money. They're not going to pause the development. They want to get it open as quickly as possible as well. So there's every chance that it, it could be uh, the irony of ironies, I guess, would be that a Sinn Féin Taoiseach and a Sinn Féin health minister could be opening the facility in April 2025 um, because we will have had at that stage definitely a, a general election. We may not have a, a new government in place, but we will definitely have had a general election. So. Um, you know, I think as much as Sinn Féin are right, and, and other opposition parties are right to, to criticise the cost here, to scrutinise the cost, and I think we can expect more uh, public accounts committee hearings and, and maybe health committee hearings on this uh, in in the Dáil. Um, I don't think it's a case that any party is going to, to, to pause the project at this stage. It's full steam ahead with the expectation that the hospital will be open and operational by uh, by next year. There is another piece to this. Once the capital budget is spent and the hospital is built, it has to be staffed. And there have been many examples over the years, uh, most recently Mullingar, new MRI facility yeah. built. Uh, Robert Troy, the local TD, said to the HSE, will you have the staff? They said, oh, of course we will. And then the facility was due to open and they had to pause because they didn't have the staff. Uh, happened 20 years ago when NACE Hospital opened its new emergency department. Could it happen here where staffing and recruitment, which are already challenging, prove to be a bridge too far? Well, I, I think it's entirely likely that there will be challenges in terms of staffing the hospital sufficiently. Um, and you know, because there is ongoing recruitment challenges within the, um, within, within the health service, I mean, don't forget as well, there's actually a recruitment embargo in place at the moment as a result of efforts to try and contain the, the, the spiralling costs of delivering healthcare in this country. So all of, all of those, those uh, Elements will be will be a factor in in terms of getting the hospital fully open and operational. And this is why I think that you know the, the, the six month time frame that we're being given uh, by the government and by the uh, by the Children's Health Ireland for for kidding out and getting the hospital operational might might um, might lengthen out a little bit and might it might actually take a bit a bit longer than that in order to get it fully operational. But um, look, there's no doubt about it. I think um, some of the staff working in um, in, in facilities like Crumlin and Temple Street, we'll, we'll welcome the opportunity to work in a, a facility like this. So, look, we, we'll see what happens with that. But, but I think this hospital, no more than any other health um, healthcare facility or hospital around the country, will face the same staffing challenges that that others are, and, and that's all part of um, that, that. That's all part of the mix, I guess, heading into the next uh, year to eighteen months. Well, more coverage in today's Irish Independent. Hugh O'Connell, thank you very much for your time. Thanks very much. Still on the agenda today and staying with children. Meet the mum who has applied to 19 schools without success for a place in an autism class for her child. Also, dating apps. Are they only good for a quick hookup these days? How difficult is it to find lasting love online? And maybe you're that soldier, in which case... Put up the hand, send a text to 083 30 10 103. Tell me all about it. And while we're on the matter of love, if you haven't already sorted St. Valentine's Day for gifts, 
We'll help you after these. And now, with thanks to Bright Ideas Lighting, Talbot Avenue at Lone. Building or renovating? They work with you to create a bespoke lighting plan for your home. Brightideas.ie Astounding DIY knowledge. So says his Facebook page. So it's time for Brian Cloonan to take the radio stage. Will goes to great pains to pick his housework brains. He'd want to have learned a thing or two at his advanced age. Mr. fix it. Do you know he used to work here? <laughs> and uh, if if our Facebook page says astounding DIY knowledge, that must be a, a, a customer commenting because you know we it's a fake we page. Wouldn't, it's, it's we fraud. wouldn't we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't say something like that. No, but you'd think it private. By the way, um, thanks for uh, claiming that I had a recurring irritable rash. Um, just to be very clear, the only recurring irritant I come across is every Wednesday morning. <laughs> there was no rash whatsoever. So you were just scratching for other reasons then, fair <laughs> enough. Now, first question. We moved around the furniture in our sitting room last week and it all looks much better now in the new positions. However, there are deep indentations on the carpet, which despite a week passing... Still haven't raised up. Yeah. I have tried brushing them. No effect. What should I do next? So it's generally brush and heat. Um, now you can dampen it slightly. You can get a little, a little spray bottle. You can spray just water onto it and then get a brush and brush it up and then, well, put heat on it and brush it up. So it's a bit like styling your hair. I'm told, I'm told, okay, to be clear, I do not own a hairdryer. I do not own a hairbrush. Um, or style. Or style. <laughs> I don't have a hair style, exactly. But it's the same idea. So damp it slightly and uh, use a, a hairdryer then to uh, to brush it back up into place. And it will work. It will work. It's, it's a bit of a pain, I know. But, yeah. So you're happy it's just the the pile on the carpet has rather been compressed. Than, yeah, but what about the if there's underfloor? No, it's it'll be the pile on the carpet. Right. The underfloor is 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 like yourself. It's quite dense, <laughs> and uh, it won't compress in the same way. Will one? Brian won. <laughs> Let's keep score. Can Brian recommend a solution for cleaning grout around the cooker and the sink in the kitchen where it is? especially grimy and noticeable. Yeah. So, look, the problem, like, tiles are a fantastic surface in that they're very tough. They take a lot of abuse. They don't get dirty easily. Um, The problem is you can't put a tile, you can't butt a tile, you can't bring it right up beside the next tile because with the change in temperature, it would pop off the wall or pop up from the floor. So you have to use grout. And the problem with grout is that grout is a very absorbent surface. So it's like cement. It is cement. Like it's all grout is cement based. And the problem with it is it absorbs dirt very easily and it particularly absorbs, absorbs, absorbs wet dirt very quickly. So when you wash the floor or when you wash the wall, you dilute all the dirt that's there into water and it soaks into the grout. So the big thing is if you get the grout clean again or if you're putting down a new kitchen floor or new kitchen wall tiles around the sink and around the, the cooker, put on a grout sealer. So the first thing you do, you, you do is you clean the tiles, very, you clean the grout well. There are very concentrated grout cleaners that are very, very good. 
They do involve getting down on your hands and knees. It's the grout you're cleaning, not the tile. Once you and and keep. So what what I do is I would suggest use the grout. Have two buckets. One with a small uh, amount of the a bowl with the um, the grout cleaner and water and then a bucket of hot water and a scrubbing brush. So you apply the grout cleaner and then you scrub off so that you're throwing out the dirty water once the water gets dirty and then go again. So it will take a bit of time and effort, but once you get it clean, and it will come clean, once you get it clean, you then need to seal the grout to stop it happening again. So the grout is a completely clear sealer and it's not, again, it's nothing as time as time consuming as the cleaning, mm-hmm. but it just takes a bit of patience. Now, there are things like grout pens and grout, there's tubes of grout, uh, what do they call it? There's a word for it. Anyway, it's, it, it brings up, the, it's, it's, it's effectively a paint that goes over the grout. But the downside of that is that if you have white grout on the wall and the, the grout, are, you still have to clean the grout because if there's grease there from the cooker, the paint, we call it, won't stick to it. So you have to clean it anyway. So you might as well put in the effort and just get it as clean as you can. But the other downside of using the whitener, the, the grout whitener, that's what I was trying to think of. Mm. The downside is it's snow white. So very often the area that was worst in the kitchen when you, when you apply this is now the very best in the kitchen. And the area that looked fine now looks off colour because you've put on the snow white paint on top of the grout. Mm. So I would always try and just get it clean if you can. Do you know why so many people love silver cars? Because it's so easy to keep clean. Yeah, they disguise the dirt. It doesn't show up as much. That's right. When it comes to tiles and grout, is there some secret recipe in colours that disguise the dirt more? No, well, the same thing would apply. I mean, if you have a pale grey, if you have a, you know, those, the light, a very light colour and a very dark colour will always show up. What are the hardest two cars to keep clean? You know, black Black and white. white, Um, So the same thing, the tiles, if they have a fleck in them, you know, a plain tile will show up uh, dirt much quicker than something with a bit of fleck in it. Um, But it's, and the grout on the floor has to be grey. People sometimes say, no, no, I want... I want white grout on the floor. It'll get dirty so, so quickly. So, I mean, you can get, you can, you can make, you can't, I don't think you can buy black grout, but you can get black cement dye and you can add it to grey grout to make the colour a bit darker if that suits the tile you're putting down. I mean, obviously, if you're putting down a white, well, actually, black and white, white tiles with black grout would look quite well. Um, but it's in the showroom. In the showroom, yes, exactly. Uh, so, I mean, if we had a, pound, a euro for every time we get somebody in with black worktop saying, how do you keep my black, my very, very mm. expensive black granite worktop? How do you keep the lime from building up in it? How do you keep it clean? So your life choices, if they're big life choices, try and take that into consideration. Not just how does it look, but how will it look in a year's time? By the way, did you get caught short? What's in the bottle? <laughs> That's uh, orange. Oh, but it's a water bottle. Yeah, just fill it up. So you're mean? Yeah. Or you're recycling? I'm, yeah, I'm recycling. You're a sustainable champion. Yes, I just added a little bit of uh, juice to a bottle of water. Brian Clunan, the sustainable champion, is here until 11. <laughs> DIY Dilemmas, sorted with Mr. Fixit. Thanks to Bright Ideas Lighting, Talbot Avenue at Lone. Building or renovating, we work with you to create a bespoke lighting plan for your home. Brightideas.ie Did you set this up? No, I did not set this up. 
but it was a nice gesture. Will's wife just came in with a, a, cup, of, a, a cup of coffee and a little red box. I don't know what's in it. I suspect, I suspect it could be sexy lingerie. I don't know whether that's for you to wear or her to wear. Or she's suggesting she's going to wear it later. I just don't know. I thought we agreed. No Valentine's presents. Well, in fairness, now there's a nice little selection in there. I'm sure the kids will like to share those little love hearts. But the tissues are especially for you. Are they? Mm. Right, so now I have to go and find something for you for later. No, I told you what I want. Yeah, but morning radio. It's time for the latest Community Diary with Tommy Solicitors at Loan, one of the largest, longest established and most respected firms of solicitors in the Midlands. The Leash Community Climate Action Fund is now open for applications until March 11th and an upcoming webinar will help community groups develop climate action projects to apply for the fund. An online webinar is scheduled for Tuesday the 20th of February, that's next Tuesday, 7 to 8.30pm with climate action experts Dr Karen Moore from Leash County Council and Aoife Munn, the community activator, lecturer and environmentalist. That's a great title. To register, please email kmoore at leashcoco.ie. Fonzie Mealy Auctioneers in Kilkenny present the Making Room Sale on Wednesday the 21st of February. 400 quality and affordable lots on offer where you can dress your walls with paintings and prints also ceramics, light fittings, carpets, rugs, unusual collector's items, as well as antique and modern furniture. FonzieMealy.ie for more details. Samaritan's Recruitment Week finishes on Friday in Leash and Kildare. So if you want to become a listening volunteer with full training and mentoring, you can call Samaritan's Ireland on, um, or indeed look them up on Facebook for location details. The Phoenix Venue and Nightclub invites you to a fundraiser back to the Harriers, the Valentine's Experience, on Saturday at uh, 8pm. Tickets are €15 and you can find them at willwego.com or indeed look up the Phoenix Tullamore on Facebook. Now, if you want to check any of those details again, the Midlands 103 Community Diary is online at midlands103.com. And if I miss something that's happening in you or your area, then call call 0818 300 103. Get out, you. Community Diary, with thanks to Tormy Solicitors, experienced in the areas of law that affect people on a day-to-day basis. Tormies.ie. Send us a text. 083 3010 103. Powered by Brothers Tullamore, the home of Offaly's top-selling car brand, Toyota. Midlands 103. Next query. Oh, by the way, Granny has been in touch sending love on Valentine's Day. We love you too, Granny. Uh, Next caller pulled the cord on the shower yesterday and now they went and uh, opened the ceiling to find a brown wire burned together with a green and yellow wire. So I put insulation tape on it and I'm wondering, will this do the trick? This is from Colm who says... Electricians are very expensive nowadays. So there's a reason, though, that they're electricians also, are They're also life-saving. That's a lot of power. So if you looked at your fuse board, you have lights which are low power. They'll be 6 amp or 10 amp or whatever. 
and then you'll have your sockets which would be 20 amp and 25 amp but your electric shower is one of the highest power usages in the house you do walk away from that and call an electrician you do not just tape it up you there's a problem there you need to get that looked at by a competent professional yeah by the way fire hazard by the way uh, the if the community diary sounded like it was being a bit peculiarly delivered um, he picked his nose consistently through the entire thing which was not a pretty sight I have to tell you now I suppose quite professional in that he you know didn't really give the indication that he was doing it but when they I gather there's going to be TV cameras or at least CCTV cameras in the studio it's not going to be nice to look at that well first of all I didn't do that if I did, it would have been for your benefit only. And I would have gotten away with it as well if you hadn't said it. Anyway, um, we moved to... Oh, oh, sorry. We recently got the house renovated and replaced skirting boards, architrave. We fitted new doors. We would like to paint it all in a satin white colour. But we found we were regularly painting the old stuff because it never stayed crisp white. It always yellowed with age. Now that we're starting from scratch, is there a better paint or a better approach? Yeah, this has changed. So the new, uh, so much of the, what would have been considered oil paint is now water-based. And the water-based does stay white. So everything about the water-based is better in that it's, there's no smell, it's quicker drying, it's much quicker drying, it's much easier, it flows much more easier, it's easier to get a finish with it. It's not quite as tough, but it's almost as tough as the oil-based. And in fairness, architrave and skirting, it's not being hammered the whole time. I would definitely paint it with a, a satin-based, not matte. So in, in all paints, or nearly every paint, you have three options. You have matte, satin, or mid, which is in the middle, and gloss. You don't want it glossy because that shows up every discrepancy. But matte can get dirty very quickly unless you use a very scrubbable mat. But satin is what I'd go for here. And it will stay white. It will stay crisp and white, unlike your underwear. <laughs> Full of lovely imagery today, aren't we? Yes. Uh, will, I have a patio area that I want to cover with either artificial grass or astroturf. Would Brian suggest the best option? Well, look, it's very successful once you do it right. So... You need to do it right. You need to put down the proper base. You need to fix it in place. You need to make sure you have good drainage. But if you do all that, it is terrific in that you genuinely just go out with the hoover every now and again. Um, particularly good if you have an area that is, it, it doesn't lend itself towards concrete or something that gets very dirty very quickly. A lot of algae. You don't get algae on the grass because the water just goes through. Um so done right, it's very successful, but you, meet, you need to make sure it's done right. So buy it, get it done by somebody who's done it many a time, um, or else buy it from a good source that will stand over the product that's selling you and, and do it yourself, but make sure and put in the effort, is what I'd say. Paddy the Plumber says, when applying grout mix, um, or when applying grout rather, mix it with a bit of colouring, to suit the floor or the wall, and then you never notice the dirt as much. That's a great tip. Yep. So that's cement colouring that you will get for it. By the way, I have to say a quick happy birthday to TV Ted, who's having a very close to a significant birthday, I'm told. Very close. So that's, I would imagine that means it's not a zero at the end, but it's a nine at the end. 
So, you know, is he 79? Is he 69? I don't know. It's Valentine's Day. <laughs> I think we know the answer. <laughs> Bernie noticed a few rusty spots on her bedroom radiators and she's wondering what will solve it. Uh, because she doesn't want, obviously, that progressing into a new yeah. radiator. So, eventually it will. Um, what I bet you, I nearly give you odds that it's at the bottom of the radiator. Um, so, a lot of people, when they're sitting in the bathroom, um, looking around, killing time, waiting for something to happen, they will notice the bottom of the radiator can have rust on it. And that's because there's a little bit of condensation that's rolled to the bottom of the radiator. Just be careful. So, what you would need to do is you need to... Uh, Paint it with a rust primer, but don't sand, you need to sand off the rust, but really lightly. So, four zero steel wool, a very fine steel wool. You don't want a scraper. You know, the rust is there, the rust has weakened the metal. So, if you go at it aggressively, you could poke a hole in the radiator and then all the water starts coming out. That's not fun. So, what you're doing is you're getting a small tin of rust primer, a small tin of radiator enamel if it's going to be white. If it's not going to be white, you don't have to use radiator enamel. And the reason you're using white on a radiator, if you're using, you're using radiator enamel exclusively in white on a radiator is exactly like that previous color. If you use ordinary paint on a radiator, it yellows, but it yellows in double quick time. So literally within a week or two, it'll have started to yellow. But if you use radiator enamel, it won't. But I would suggest using a rust primer to stop it getting any worse. Or else a rust neutralizer. So you can get a thing called rust preventer and neutralizer where you just wash over it, leave it, leave it for a couple of hours and then wash it off and then paint it, which is probably better and cheaper in this case. You know how they say you can't believe everything you read online? Yes. But you can believe everything you hear on the radio. Of course. Anyway, um, here is the description on the Clunan's Hardware Facebook page. Would you mind reading that? Lovely. Lovely. Locally best known for its staff's astounding knowledge of everything DIY. Well, I would have an apostrophe there. It's definitely not mine. That must be... That must be uh, uh, oh, it's a review, actually. It's a review. That's it's not what, a self-description. There you go. That's, I couldn't think of the word. I'm not on social media, yeah, as you know. For its staff's astounding knowledge of everything DIY. Yeah. False review. <laughs> Sending that off to Trust Pilot, I think. More with Clunan after these. Mr. Fixit on Midlands 183 with Bright Ideas Lighting, Talbot Avenue Athlone. Official stockists of Laura Ashley Lighting and Mirrors. See our dedicated Laura Ashley Boutique in store. Brightideas.ie. Now, still on the agenda after 10 o'clock, or rather after 11. The shortage of autism classes here in the Midlands. You'll meet a mum who has applied to 19 schools without success. Also is the Midlands 103 couch to marathon leader benched for good. Find out more in around half an hour's time. And are dating apps only good for a quick hookup or can you find lasting love online? All between now and 12. Next problem. And this is a bit of a mystery one. So caller has placed new concrete yard around their house within the last year. Now, there are no shrubs, no trees nearby, but yet somehow it has turned green with algae. I thought you were going to say that. So they're wondering how? It's just been an unbelievable winter for algae. So if for most people you would say it's the worst year in a long time for algae, now, when you work in a hardware shop and you sell algae killer, it's, you know, the best year in a long time for algae. But it is truly incredible. So so you've been out spreading it? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. If I had algae seeds, I would be out spreading them. Um, look, at least it's algae. Algae is very easy to take care of. You just spray on an algae killer and wait for God to wash off all the algae. It'll all be gone in a few days. It's not a big deal, in fairness. Moss can be more difficult, mainly because it's hard to get the conditions right for moss. So look, it's worth saying because so many people are looking to kill the algae and moss. It's worth saying, get a good algae forward slash moss killer. If it's algae, you spray it on very lightly. If it's moss, you drench the moss with it. You mix it according to the instructions, five to one or whatever particular brand you're getting. It has to be above six degrees on the day you're doing it. So you could have a lovely sunny day, but it's too cold to use it. Equally well, you don't want heavy rain in the next 24 hours after you apply it. So getting the conditions right can be a little bit chancy, but if you get everything right, it'll work really, really well. With the moss, you can get both those conditions right, but the moss has to be sufficiently dry to absorb it. So a couple of windy days for moss before you apply it, because the problem is if you get a lovely day today, but torrential rain yesterday, the moss is still going to be saturated. Therefore, when you put on a moss killer, it'll just roll off the surface. But once you get all those conditions right, it will make a difference. Now, what this caller could do is, having gotten it clean, and there's no need to power wash it off, algae will just die away. It'll disappear in a, in a couple of days. Um, but he could put on a path and patio seal. So a path and patio seal does exactly what it says in the tin. It just seals the patio and makes it less absorbent. And because it's less absorbent, the moss and algae doesn't grow as quickly. And uh, you would do that once every kind of four or five years. It's, it's very simple. It's a paint roller and it's, a, it's, a, it's very easy to apply. It's water-based. And the beauty of every water-based clear product is that in its liquid form, it's white. So it's very easy to see what you've done, but then it dries out crystal clear. And it makes life, you, you'll fly through it. A paint roller, you'll abso- a long handle paint roller, you'll fly through it. And it's not outrageously expensive. Um, so in this case, it's probably worth it because it'll stay clean from algae and clean from dirt an awful lot longer. Sheila has picked up on the conversation about grout colours. And recently there was a silver grey grout applied to her kitchen floor. So it's newly done. Yes. Problem is it's brighter than she would like it to be. So she's wondering if the dye that was mentioned earlier can be applied retrospectively. No, it's too late. But look, it will, every time you wash the floor, the dirt is going to go into it and it will darken with time. So just leave it alone. It will darken with time. So, Sheila, find a bunch of teenagers after soccer practice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Run them through the place. Wash the floor. Job done. Repeat. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. No, it will definitely dull. It'll definitely get darker with age. What is the lifespan of a pressure pump for water? We're in our house seven years, says this listener, and we've had to replace it three times. Good Lord. I have no idea, but that definitely, definitely sounds excessive. Now, I I suppose you'd ask the question, is there a lot of lime in the water and is that putting pressure on it? No pun intended. Is it putting... Strain on it. We we, we call it strain rather than pressure. Um, There's moving parts in it and moving parts do not like lime, full stop. So maybe talk to your plumber or, I mean, is there a warranty with it when you buy it? Just check that out. I mean, it sounds like it's a very short lifespan. Most people will go for, you know, 10, 15 years without having to replace that. 
Mary wants help with a door for a Stanley cooker. The door has turned very grubby. The cooker is white. Where would she go for a replacement? Well, I suppose you'll, you'll have to go back to a Stanley agent to get the replacement. And just be aware, it mightn't match. You would hope it'll match exactly. You're doing that mechanic sigh. <gasps> Well, it's just one of those things. You buy this thing in that's that's supposed to be the same, but the, it's it's a bit like if you painted the wall in the bedroom. Well, no, not your bedroom. That gets dirty too quickly. If you painted the wall in the sitting room and some something happened to it and it got marked with dust from the fireplace and you take out the tin of paint that you used last year and you touch it up, it's the same paint. It's the same tin of paint. It's not just, you know, you can go back to the shop and get a different batch of paint. It's the same tin of paint. But when you paint the wall, it looks like it's a different colour because the paint has changed colour with daylight. So the same thing can happen sometimes. Now, vitreous enamel, a Stanley stove, a range or whatever, will, have, will be coated in white vitreous enamel, which is as tough as nails, but it may be a fraction of a shade difference. So just try and see, can you do everything you can to get the thing clean mm. in the first place? And one of the things that might be a help is to try something very slightly abrasive, like T-cut. So T-cut, as you know, is used on cars. Um, and it's, it's really almost about kind of re- removing the top surface, the top fraction of a millimetre to reveal the paint below. So it might be worth just trying that first. If it's not actually chipped, if it's just discoloured, now if it's chipped... There's not a lot you can do. But you'll be going back to Stanley, which is Waterford, Waterford Iron Foundry, Stanley in Waterford, or going to a Stanley agent who, who will order the part in for you. Back to that previous comment about the water pressure pump. It's a caller in Tullamore, Sharon. Now, from memory, isn't the Clodia River where some of the water supply comes? And that is quite limey. Correct. But she says there is a water softener in the house. Okay. Does that apply to all the incoming water or just the kitchen no, tap? No, not always. So the the water it depends where it's sited, um, but it mightn't be it mightn't be covering this particular pump. Mm. So, you know, it's not the kitchen tap. It's it is in theory all the water coming into the house, but you could have a separate source coming in through the through the central heating through you know. So you just don't know where this pump is sited and is the water softener covering that question for a plumber question for the plumber again yeah have we time for one more very very quickly on whatsapp just to chat among yourselves while I actually try to find the bloody thing we have a rug inside the front door that tends to slide or creep along the floor and last night we had a visit from our granny who nearly broke her 84-year-old neck on this thing. (laughs) Is it a case of getting rid of it, or can we fix it in place somehow? Um, No, you can get anti-slip tape to go in under the rug on mat that will stop it from moving. So just be be very clear that it's either anti-slip for hard surfaces, like lino or tiles, or anti-slip for a rug that's on top of carpet. They work in two completely different ways, so make sure you get the right one. And if you do that, it won't it won't slip again. By the way, just to say, Will's wife dropped him in, genuinely dropped him in a cup of coffee and a nice gift. And he said, 
I have flowers for you out there. Collect them on the way out. And there were flowers that were donated <coughs> to him. Sorry, you're out of time. It's uh, coming up on 11 o'clock. News on the way. Love the Midlands? Love. Midlands 103. Now, still in this hour, can you find love online? I mean, lasting love, not just a quick hookup. What's been your experience? Because it seems a lot of people are moving away from the traditional dating sites if they're after something other than wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Also, is the Midlands 103 couch to marathon leader benched for good? What has happened to Peter Dunn? We'll find out more very, very soon. Plus, your chance to win a lovely stay at the Heritage in Killinard, which could be perfect if you repackage it and dress it up as a Valentine's Day gift. Details on that in a few minutes' time. Oh, yes, useful one. Guys, there is a company in Tipperary specialising in restoring cookers, repairing them, and bringing back the original colour. They are fantastic, but perhaps quite on the expensive side for that woman with the difficulty earlier. I'm wondering which company that is. Did a bit of Googling. Is it H&F? Is that the company that does the repairs? You might just let me know if I have the right one there. Now, back to our coverage of a challenge in County Leash that many parents have been having. And to be fair, it's not just in County Leash either. When your child has autism and you need extra support in school or even a special class and a special unit for them, Where do you go if all of the units in your area are full? Well, I want you to meet Sarah Dooley, who is a mum in Mount Mellick, and she has called and applied to no less than 19 schools. Morning, Sarah. Good morning, Lil. How are you? I'm in good form, thank you. Tell us about your kids, first of all. How many have you got? Uh, So I have four kids. I have... Eight. I have Carla six, and I have big eyes John and Patrick, who will be five on Monday. Um, so Cahill is in treatment for leukemia. Oh no! Um, for yes, how long? Yeah. Uh, now he still has another few months left to go. Uh, he's in maintenance treatment, I'd say, at the moment, which is which is a help, I suppose. Um, so three months. Three mornings a week down with Cahill, he has to get blood done. So he has to get blood done once a week. He has to get his Hickman line dressing changed once a week. And he also has to get his Hickman line flushed once a week. Right. Um, and while he's in treatment, like I can't be really less than 50 minutes radius from Cahill at any time, say, when he's in school, say. Yeah, if something happens, you need to react yeah. quickly. So when he like yes, say when Cahill even gets like a temperature, say, like that's they class that really as a medical emergency because of his treatment and because of his Hickman line. So he'd have to go straight to hospital once he gets the temperature. Has to get certain blood taken and when that happens. And you know it does. Unfortunately, it happens on a regular basis. You know. Um, and then we have the twin boys, John and Patrick, who I said they're five on Monday. They are diagnosed with autism. They're non-verbal. They're not great sleepers, unfortunately. Um, they self-harm, as in they bite. 
they bite themselves when they get frustrated, they bang their heads when they get frustrated, and they've no sense of danger. Um, you know, they jump off tops of the high fridges at home or they hang out of curtains or swing out of curtains. And so you're constantly on alert to make sure they don't hurt. Oh, constantly, yeah, mm. yeah, 24-7, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I apologise, yeah. by the way, the line is a little bit bad, but we'll, we'll obviously stay with the story. Just bear with us. Oh, sorry. Um, okay. And then tell me about your eldest. My eldest son is Owen. Owen's eight. Um, yeah, so Owen's in, he's making his communion this year. And, yeah. So you've got uh, your hands full, suffice to say, with, with, with four children in those age ranges, eight uh, down to five. It's a busy house at the best of times. Absolutely, Add, add yeah. into that the autism, add into that the leukaemia. Um, yeah. <laughs> frankly, I don't know how you're, you're still going, so you know, I take my hat off to you. Tell us about yeah. the applications you've made to try okay, and get so, autism support. Yes, so we have applied to 19 schools in the Leash area which for its then would be 38 applications because everything is double with them. Um, as of this morning, we have 10 refused letters received. Um, we have verbally been informed of no places by the remaining schools, but we're still just waiting on the refusal letters to come in the post. Um, we have been on to the local casino, the special education needs officer, We've written to the National Council of Special Education. We have written to the Minister for Education, Norma Foley, and we have also written to the Minister for Special Education, Josephine Madigan. Sounds like you've talked to everybody who's in a position of influence. Have you received any help? Yeah. No, no. We haven't. We've really been nearly just uh, brought back to the local scene, or really. Um, and then I suppose there was the option, you know, there was a suggestion of homeschooling um, if the boys didn't get a place. But homeschooling is, and I said this today, homeschooling is not an option for for our boys. Um, their disability network support report states that it's, the best result would be in an ASD class in a mainstream school. Um, you know, they require a sensory room and a lot of extra resources that we wouldn't have the space for at home. Um, Plus there's house probably not... a socialisation need as well. That's absolutely it, yeah, because they're in a specialised preschool at the moment. And like even their development and their, their social interaction with other children has come on brilliant since they have been in that school. So they would go backwards if, if mm. homeschooling was taken in, you know. And like they love their routine. And then I suppose we have our other two kids as well to think of, like Cotton will be home a bit from school when he's not well or, you know, when he's after being up and coming for treatment and that, like, you know, just it, it, it wouldn't work in our circumstances. And Cahill and Owen, they're in school locally in Mount Melick, are they? They're in school, uh, they're off the National School just beside us there, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like you've done everything you could conceivably do and you're coming up against a brick wall and have have you anywhere to turn next? No. No, like I said, that's the thing, I don't know what my, what my next options are or like, you know, it's, it's, like it's in the actually in the Irish constitution, it's the right to equal access of education for people with disabilities 
And in the Education Act, there's a right to inclusive education. Like my kids, you know, all mm-hmm. kids are entitled to this. And there's no parents that should have to have this stress and torment and worry and sleepless nights of wondering, are my children going to get a place in school come September? Where are they going to go to school? Is it going to be an hour away? Is it going to be 20 minutes? We, we don't know this. Mm. Or you do know, they end up in a mainstream class with no support? Yeah, you see, that's, and that, that option, unfortunately, you know, that option isn't available to them. Especially when, like, you know, it wouldn't be fair to send them in even to a class with 30 children when they don't talk. Mm. You know, they sit for longer than five minutes. You know, like, no, anyway, like you couldn't... You not couldn't not, not fair on anybody. It would, be, no, no. it would be unworkable, probably. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, that's like, if, if, if we could send them to a mainstream school, like, we wouldn't be in this situation. We would have an acceptance letter two weeks ago. They would have got their place in a mainstream school and there'd be no issues whatsoever. But because we can't send we have these big problems now. Who do you turn to? It sounds like you're getting good advice, at least. Are you getting support somewhere? Family support. Family support is where I'm getting it from. And like even with the application, like like my sister and fairness filled out most of them. Like where will I get the time to fill out thirty eight application forms? Mm. Like, anyway, especially when you uh, are you involved with like, Lofa, Offley Families for Autism? I not no, not at the minute, no. No. I know they've done I Trojan work over aware the of years. Until, uh, yeah, I actually wasn't aware of that until recently actually. Um It's just better when you can compare notes with other parents and at least you don't feel as isolated and alone. It's the moral support as much as the informational support that can be valuable. Yeah, yeah. And and I have been, I have been talking to a lot of parents who are, say, in the leash area who are in the same situation where they've, they they don't know what to do next. Like, you know, where, you know. Okay, we're going to make some inquiries, Sarah. I can't promise results, but, and especially when you've taken it to the top, you've, written to the Minister for Education uh, and indeed everybody further down the chain as well. But yeah, let's see yeah. what they're prepared to say on the record about this. Brilliant. OK. And thank, thank, you, very thank much. you very much for sharing your story. Well done. No problem at all. Thank you so much. That's Sarah Dooley from Mount Melick. Again, apologies for the quality of the line, but I think you got the gist of what this lady has on her plate. She's got a child who has... Leukemia, and obviously that is, uh, you're always going to be on your wit's end whenever a temperature spikes, whenever there's sign of infection, just to respond. And then you've got twins coming up who are nonverbal. You want, obviously, the best for them in education, but you're at your wit's end. You've applied to 19 schools and you've gotten rejection letters from most of them and verbal refusals from the rest. And, of course, you've still got an eight-year-old who... He's still deserving of his attention too. How do you juggle it all? I'm amazed by people like this and in awe, really, of what they're able to do. Love the Midlands? Love Midlands Today with Will Faulkner. Midlands 103. You probably don't need to be reminded at this stage, but just in case you didn't get the memo, it's Valentine's Day. So is love really in the air? Midlands 103's Rachel Timoney has been asking the people of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath... Do they celebrate the occasion? (laughs) 
the smell of roses in the air and heart decorations everywhere. It's February 14th, Valentine's Day. For many, it's the most romantic day of the year, a day to celebrate the love in our lives. But does that only mean romantic love? Psychologist in Tullamore, Dr Denise O'Dwyer, says that may not always be the case. It's a universal, massively historical day of love and people love to love, as we know, um, and it's the most powerful emotion of all. And I suppose on Valentine's Day, especially, people have an opportunity to really express love, you know, exercise the more grand gestures that are associated with the day. And I suppose the, the act of expressing love and appreciation for somebody like is known like throughout research that it can increase positive emotion, can reduce stress, uh, it has a positive impact on anxiety. So, you know, has overall very positive effects on general general well-being. It doesn't necessarily have to be with a romantic partner, but just expression of love towards whether it's friends, family, self-love, um, but that you kind of mark the day in some way uh, with its strong association with love. And some people, if they're single, can find it really tough. And I suppose it is so highly commercialised. You're kind of reminded everywhere you go of the, particularly the romantic side of Valentine's Day. Um, But I suppose it is a matter of perception and, you know, how you choose to view your relationship status, how comfortable you are and how confident you are with being single or being, you know, in a romantic uh, connection. and I suppose equally when you're in a relationship, like the, the whole Valentine's Day commercialism side, actually, that can sometimes be used as a way for people to kind of get out of making an effort with their partner. But it is really important that days, momentous days, occasions are marked because it, it obviously it has a positive effect on the relationship uh, when both parties feel that they're appreciated and that there's an expression of affection and love shown towards each other. Some people, um, as I said, they kind of go all out with the the big grand gestures and others not so much. And I mean, you know, I suppose it's lovely to kind of be wined and dined and and all of that, but equally it can be just as nice, you know, have somebody cook a nice meal for you, maybe want a nice bath, you know, just really to mark the occasion and make it special. And that, you know, as I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be wine and chocolates and the, the things that we normally associate with Valentine's Day. It's just really simple gestures. Chocolates and flowers remain top of the wish list for many, the two most common gifts associated with the day that's in it. However, more goes into preparing the bouquets than you might think, according to the manager of All Locations Florists in Port Leash, Yvonne Hart. Well, we always would look at the weather to see how wild it's going to be as to what packaging we might put on the flowers. So already customers and even on Saturday, some guys were in to get their flowers because they wanted to hand deliver them and it didn't suit them during the week because they were might be working away. So we were busy on Saturday. Red roses are always our biggest product I buy the most of. I suppose it's the cliche, the traditional red roses for love. 12 is popular, 18 is popular. We've sold a few 50s. We've sold a couple of hundreds. So I suppose it depends on people's what they have left in their pockets or some people have a different budget than others. We've sold a good few singles, lads coming in just for a single rose. So, you know, that's still very romantic and very doable. Well, a dozen red roses, luxury with lovely foliage is selling at 76 euro. That comes in a nice gift box. That's very popular. The average is around 50. Last year, they said it was 45, 46. But I'd say in the Midlands, we're definitely up there. And I'd say the average probably would be up around 60. We wouldn't see um, 
many walk-ins. Most of our customers have something. They know what they want. They're going to order it. So we have it ready and waiting for them. But what is it about flowers that makes them a special gift for your loved one? Suppose it's just that romantic gesture, something that's going to put an immediate smile on somebody's face. You know, they look into the bouquet of flowers and they say, wow, you know, you've spent time, you went out, you got your flowers in a florist and you've picked something for me. People across the country and indeed the whole world will be marking the day with gestures grand and small. And people in the Midlands will be no different. We've decided to make dinner together, do something kind of nice. Um, then we were thinking of maybe heading out. Well, we've actually booked a trip for March. So that's kind of most of our Valentine's gift to each other this year. Yeah, have a nice quiet dinner in, uh, probably cook a roast chicken. A little kind of personalised stuff, uh, things relating to pop culture that we know the other one likes. Definitely steak on the menu, yeah, and a nice dessert. Dinner, drinks and stuff like that, yeah. Going to be with my friends, Galentine's, oh, love it. I would love a little bit of sparkle or something like that. I just got herself a watch, so she's actually uh, in hospital at the moment, so I said I'd try and treat her a bit extra this year now. Anything. (laughs) however you spend the day and whoever with we here at Midlands 103 wish you a happy Valentine's Day and that report by Midlands 103's Rachel Timoney the name you trust with the news you need Midlands Today Midlands 103 now still on the agenda today Peter Dunn some weeks ago, challenged all of us to take part in the Couch to Marathon Challenge. And, well, for my part, I'm going to do the half marathon in Mullingar on St. Patrick's Day. Full marathon in Manchester. No, thank you. That's not going to happen when you weigh 15 stone. But Peter has been finding it a little more difficult than he expected to maintain the fitness and stay injury-free. So, has he been benched for good. We're going to find out in the next couple of minutes. Uh, By the way, great prize with thanks to the Heritage Hotel in Killinard. Could be yours for Valentine's Day. Just stay with me for another couple of minutes and I'll give you a chance to win that. Studio at midlands103.com if you ever want to send an email. And Aoife, who is in Portleash, and Aoife's not her real name, by the way, but she has sent a message asking why There are no decent men left in the country. And once you reach a certain age, it seems to be assumed that you are in the dating world for one thing and one thing only, and you should be glad of it. And she's wondering, what reaction do men expect when one of their very first messages is to tell you what they want to do to you? When they send you you know what picks. And if you met them in a bar, she says, they would not be so upfront straight away. Is it that they just can't be bothered and want to cut to the chase straight away? Is there a different etiquette online? And she's not alone. A lot of people, and I asked this question earlier, whether online dating is good for finding genuine love or is it just for that quick hookup, that wham-bam, thank you, ma'am, and leave it at that. And a lot of people are finding 
the online world to be very fickle and very short term. And if that's what you want, great. More power to you, away you go. Never have there been more fish in the sea. But if you're actually looking for connection and companionship and dare we say even love, Mairead Lockman is here from Love HQ in Mullingar. Mairead, good morning. Good morning, Will. How are you? Very well, thank you. I know you're going to make the case for matchmaking and we'll come to that in a minute. But would you give Aoife some advice? Uh, Because a lot of people are in the online space and maybe feeling jaded and and maybe feeling that there are no decent people left in the world. Please give her some hope. Yeah, well, first of all, I would say a lot of people do still meet their, their partners online dating. And I know it can be exhausting. The problem with online dating from an exhaustion point of view is it is so fast. Okay, so you can swipe up to 60 to 100 people in a minute. And so what happens is on a night out, if you actually think of it, traditionally 10 years ago, if you went out and you were talking to people in a bar on a night out, what actually happens is you're, you know, you're only talking to one or two. So you're kind of focusing on those one or two. But when you're online dating, people are talking to up to 14 people at a time. Okay, they're spending about 10 hours a week online dating. So you are going to get exhausted by it because it's the same repetition. You're chatting away to somebody and then, um, you know, you think you're getting on great with them. You might be talking to for a week and then you have a date organized. And then the next day you sit down, you come home from work, make a cup of tea. And next thing what happens, only they're no longer on the app. They've actually ghosted you. So that does, it does wear down. So it does. But I will say there is still a lot of great people out there. If you go out on a Saturday night, if you were to put as many hours into going out and chatting people up, you'd be exhausted by that too. And it's just because it's so fast with online dating. If you go out, if you talk to 100 people, we'll say from Tinder and 100 people out in a bar and night out, the chances are straight away you might only be interested of that 100 in potentially we'll say eight, okay? And of that, maybe two of them are married and maybe slipped off their wedding ring, could be on Tinder, also married. Um, there could be a situation as well where um they have very low person, you know, personality skills or anything. They might be a little bit shy or not great with chatting people up. Can, same can happen in a bar, same can happen. So what I would say is just be realistic for what it is. You can't expect miracles from it. You are going to get out of it what you put in, maybe yeah. a little bit less. But like, let's face it, there's no Marie, better feeling would, than being loved. Disagree. So I would say it's worth Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with your sentiments, but I feel for this person and, and others yeah. like her where there seems to be a different rule book where you wouldn't dismiss somebody so readily in person. You wouldn't. No, you wouldn't walk up to somebody with a photograph of your genitals and show them in person. But you nope. will uh, find so many. I know straight away willing to do all of that online, and it feels cheap. Yeah, it yeah, it does absolutely. Now I will say a lot of the online platforms have stopped the unsolicited pictures to as much as they can. Okay, like there is ways of um of reporting them and the person gets blocked and everything. So there is that. I would say online dating gets a very bad rap for things like that. I do understand it is exhausting. Okay, so if you are exhausted from online dating or any form of dating, I would say come away from it. Give yourself a two week break, first of all. Uh, think, sit down, think about the type of person you'd like to meet. Think about how you want to feel in your relationship. And then when you're ready and when you've built yourself back up, and I mean it, two weeks, three weeks, don't leave it off for six, seven, eight months. I've people come to me that are single five, six, seven years, you know, and um, get back out there and go for it. Okay. 
um, think about, right, how am I going to present myself? Like I've had people come to me and said, I've had no success with online dating. Um, I'm looking for a long-term loving relationship. And then I say to them, well, show me your dating profile because you might as well do a little bit of online dating while you're doing matchmaking. Like the more dates you're going on, mm. that you're increasing your chances and you're getting a little bit of practice in as well. And then they show me the photographs that they have themselves online. And, you know, you sometimes you couldn't be surprised that uh, somebody might think that they were looking for something a little bit more casual based on maybe the photographs they have. Now, we shouldn't make assumptions, but natural well, human instinct do, yeah. is yeah. that we're going to. Yeah. So how are you presenting yourself online? Maybe write in your bio. I'm looking like, you know, I'm a fun girl. I enjoy baking, um, going to the gym and like going out for dinner and meeting my friends uh, but I am look like and I'm looking for um, a guy genuine guy that's a gentleman it's down to earth for long term um, and just something like that you don't need to put in or you could put in but I don't think you need to put in I'm not looking for something casual if you're very clear on your bio as well a lot of people of course don't read it but a lot of people do and so once you get a sniff of something like that, just block them straight away and move mm. on. Don't be giving them your energy. Don't be focusing on the negatives. In all areas of your life, we focus on the negatives. You know, we can say, oh, all of our friends are married now and have a family and I'm the only one that's single. Why focus on that? OK, like, let's face it, you probably wouldn't want to date any of your friends like partners anyway. They wouldn't be your type before, you know, probably information on them that you're like, oh, thank God they're not my partner. Thank God I'm single. So don't be focusing on the negatives. Like, mind your mindset when it comes to dating because there are a lot of great people out there as well. I get hundreds of people every single year, really great people that are looking for long-term real love. And like, that's a lady writing that into you. I have men saying that there's women doing the exact same thing to them. That, you know, have, you know, propositioned them basically. They are also being pummeled by people that are trying to sell things online as well. Um, It's a a minefield. And so much communication is non-verbal. So I take your point as well about the sort of profile picture you put up. If you make a comparison, you will have a very curated CV when applying for a job. You'll put a lot of effort and thought into it and maybe the same needs Mm -hmm. to be done for the online profile rather than choose a random picture on a random night out and off you go. Yeah, exactly that. I know of a chap who has been exhausted by anxiety when it comes to being ghosted. Mm -hmm. And he has had a lot of bad experience. So for Mm -hmm. the first couple of weeks or even months of any online relationship, he's just waiting to be dropped. What would Mm. you say to him? Because he's always rethinking and second thinking and overanalyzing. Yeah, well, first of all, um, I would say make sure that your plan is completely clear. So very often people will say, oh, I have a date this weekend to me. And I'm like, where and when are you meeting them? And they're like, oh, well, we just said that we'd meet up this weekend. Unless you have a time and location, you don't have a date in the diary. So don't be like putting your whole weekend around that. Second of all, I've matched over 8,000 people since 2016 and I've never once had somebody being ghosted because why? They're investing in it. They're paying to meet me, first of all. I weed out any messers. And second of all, then they've all invested in going on their date and they're looking for long-term real love. So the, the other option is a matchmaker. But also as well, I'm very clear on like, you know, setting out what, like what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. So I think for someone like himself, Maybe the type of people he's, you know, 
he's maybe talking to. Um, maybe he is not weeding it out properly. Maybe he's saying to them, you know, like, would you like, like maybe asking them out on a date too quickly, maybe not actually getting to know them a little bit more, first of all, maybe not setting a time and location. And then also maybe he might not be talking to them for two or three days between saying, yes, we will go out on a date this weekend and the actual date. You need to keep it consistent. Like if somebody says to me, oh, um, I have a date on Saturday night, but I haven't heard from them in two days. I would say, well, that date's not going ahead. So so making sure that you are continuing communication throughout as well. And um, there's just these little markers along the way, like dating. It's not a game, but it, there is a little dance that needs to be done. And uh, especially as well, you can kind of you can you can maybe what I would say is make the date and then maybe start over texting. So you, he might be texting a huge amount then afterwards and then kind of kind of talking himself out of the date to the point they're like, oh my God, he's texting way too much or the type of things that he's talking about is way too much. Maybe he could just do with the coaching session, even for matchmaking, just you know, for, for dating, sorry, with um, just like, what, where are you going wrong? Because there is seems to be a pattern there. I wouldn't say that many people get ghosted that often. So maybe there's a slight pattern there that he needs to work mm-hmm. through. Very often, it's very simple tweaks, if I'm honest, that need to be made. But sometimes people just don't have the... I suppose the follow through to sit down and go, okay, where's the pattern here? What do we need to change? The same way as you would with the radio show, you know, that you're like, okay, we need to do a bit of diversity. We need to change the the tact here. That's not working. That is, yeah. it's the same with Every dating. product has a life cycle and you're, you are the Absolutely. product in this case. Uh, yes. Great comments, by Absolutely. the way. Hilda asks, why is it called ghosting? A ghost's entire spiel is to stick around. Yeah, I don't Good know. Point. But I think Good it's, point. I think the best one is zombieing when they come back from the dead after ghosting you. Oh, right. <laughs> they arrive about five weeks later or something they're like oh sorry that actually happened to me I was ghosted years ago um, when I before I started professionally matchmaking and about six weeks later the guy came back to me to say sorry he hadn't been in contact but uh, he I had been hit on the head by a pole no hit the head by a pole and was in a coma for the last six weeks I'm sure <laughs> yeah and uh, another comment there are plenty of fish in the sea but there's also a garbage patch the size of Texas Yes, there is. Unfortunately, there are going to be the duds out there as well. Um, There always is. Another person suggests it's the culture of instant gratification that we have all become Mm -hmm. used to. In the 90s, when your favourite TV series was on, you had to wait weeks sometimes to watch the whole season. Now you can binge in a single night. Same applies Mm -hmm. for online ordering. Same applies to dating. Swipe right and move on. And therefore, we don't invest as much time as we need to in imperfect relationships. That's true. We also have a thing called parity of choice. Essentially what that means when there's like an endless array of options, which online dating is, you can go on now and swipe for the next 3,000 people. No problem. You might need to increase your radius, but there's no problem you'd find 3,000 people if you just keep increasing your radius uh, on on some of the online dating apps. What happens then is when you have so many choices, the human brain is not able to make a specific choice. So what happens is the chances are you'll make no choice at all. So everybody is going to be, like, you know, you were talking to that person, that girl last week, she was blonder. You might talk to another girl then. She had more, she was, you know, fun personality. The next girl might have been rich. The other girl might have, you know, been interested in golf because you're interested in golf and everything. And what happens then is you start picking all these characteristics that you're looking from somebody for your ideal partner and you're like chasing 
somebody that has all of them. And of course, you might meet someone that has all of them. But like, let's face it, there's a much higher probability that you won't make any choice at all. And um, it's the same when you sit down to maybe watch Netflix. If you think about the 80s, even as you said then, if you sit, sit down uh, to watch a movie, the Saturday night movie, whatever that was, the whole family were watching it because we only had three channels. Now you sit down to Netflix and you can't find anything to watch. And there's like 3,000 things on there, you know. So it's the same thing, priority of choice. The more choice you have, the less likely you are to make any choice. I've been warned, by the way, if I ever take up golf, I'll be divorced. <laughs> it's all to do with the amount of time. I actually took it up two years ago, Will, and I love it. It's a lovely, just uh, nice kind of sociable thing to do I, during the summer. I'm definitely, I probably only play about four times a year, but it is nice to just get out, walk and have a bit of a chat. <laughs> Seems to be a red line issue in my house. I could take up smoking and she'd probably care less. Maraid. <laughs> Love HQ, based in Mullingar, going from strength to strength. Thank you very much for taking our call today. Thank you as always and happy Valentine's Day. Text now, 083-3010-103. Powered by Lamb Brothers Tullamore, the home of Offaly's top-selling car brand, Toyota. Midlands 103. Next, Peter Dunn. From leg up to leg broken. The home of the Midlands Today Show. Right here. Let's turn it up. Monday to Friday from 9am. Midlands 103. I know we're a bit packed on items to cover, but I want to say to Sarah Dooley, who called us earlier from Mount Melek, mum of four children, one with leukaemia, two with autism, and she has applied to 19 schools for autism support without success. There's been a huge outpouring of support for you, Sarah. So many people saying that in the Leash constituency where you are based, any prospective candidate coming around should be asked why this hasn't been addressed and will they commit to doing so. So the people of Leash rising up in support for Sarah Dooley. Now, over the last few weeks, Peter Dunn of Midlands 103 Breakfast has been undertaking the Couch to Marathon Challenge in association with HearMed. And he has had a few setbacks, as have the rest of us along the way. I banged up the hip at one stage. And in Peter's case, a torn calf muscle has really set him back. Not quite a broken leg, but not far off. Let's catch up with him. Get active with Midlands 183. Powered by HearMed Healthcare in the heart of Tullamore. Hear when you need us. HearMed.ie It's week nine and we're at the halfway point of our 18-week marathon challenge. And I'm still off the road in terms of training, but I'm keeping my cardio up at the gym. And uh, we were due to run our first half marathon this weekend, but obviously that's not happening. So I'm still calculating the time I should be running. I'm putting that into my new training plan, i.e. the exercise bike in the gym. So this week should have been Tuesday 5km, Wednesday 10km, Thursday 5km and 22km on Sunday. Uh, but I'm hoping to get back on the road soon and I will be guided by the expertise of Cahill Egan from Physio Central and Tullamore who got me to pop in for an assessment earlier on in the week. So today we're just reassessing. Um, obviously, we're looking over the last week or two there at this calf injury, which was probably a little bit more significant than we, well, that, that, that I might thought at the start. Um, we had a little bit of a tester week, week and a half ago. We were running and it just wasn't right. Uh, that was kind of our test run. So saying to you there during the session, I'd usually go for kind of one, two, three with the test runs, kind of do get three solid runs in before getting back into your 
training plan. We will work on that further down the line. Um, we did a little bit of hands-on. We did a little bit of acupuncture, dry needling, right to that little area where where um, you had a little bit of a tear. And so what does the acupuncture actually do? In general, it, it'll help the healing process. Um, it gives a stimulus to the muscle. It uh, sets off a few things kind of... Um, from a blood flow point of view, neurological point of view, and, and, and it just works from there to kind of allow all them good cells we want rushing into that area to start to kind of continue the healing process. A few of us are planning to run the half marathon in Mullingar on our journey towards the full thing in April, and one of those running the half is Midlands 103's head of sports, David Hollywood, and we heard from David last week as he was gearing up for the National Cross Country Masters in Dundalk. But how did he get on? Hey Peter, I'm just on my way back home from the uh, National Cross Country Masters Championships in Dundalk uh, this afternoon and I just wanted to say a big thanks to you and your Get Active with Midlands 103. Kept me training well over the last few weeks and uh, had a great day and a great run. I can officially say I'm the 143rd fastest cross-country runner in the country who is a man and aged over 35. Uh, So (laughs) great credit to you for uh, motivating us all through the last few weeks. And beyond that, Midlands were really well represented at the championships uh, from the bigger clubs, Tullamore, Mullingar Harriers, St. Abans of Leash, uh, right down to the likes of Ballyshkinach, all ran brilliantly, all flying the Midlands flag. Hope you're keeping well. I hope that recovery treatment went well as well. Cheers. What an achievement, David. Well done. You should be so proud of yourself. And also putting in the hard miles with us is Encore presenter Claire O'Brien. Hi, Peter. I told you I would update you today after my long run. Uh, Today's long run was 100 minutes. So five minutes warm up and cool down walking at either end. And in the middle, four minutes run, one minute of walking and do that 18 times. Uh, it was tough. I am surprised how good I feel now that it's over. Uh, but the last mile or two were, were definitely hard. Um, in total, it came to 8.4 miles, um, according to the app, to be closer to nine miles. But I'm going to blame my little legs for that and be happy enough uh, with, with what I have. Actually, I'm really happy. I was so happy I nearly burst into tears at the end of it. Um, But yeah, it was really good. Looking forward to uh, catching up with the guys at CK Recovery tomorrow um, to see how they can help me to recover from the longest run I have done um, in a very, very, very long number of years. Great day to be out for a run today. Take care. Well done, Claire. You can hear it in Claire's voice. She's so happy with what she achieved and so she should be that's a fantastic achievement well done Claire on Sunday we were invited to try out a new business recently opened in Mullingar it's just across from McDonald's on Church Avenue it's called CK Recovery Hub and recovery is exactly what I needed so we're in um, what I would describe heaven at the moment we're on a big recliner chair here in CK Recovery Hub and there's a big huge screen over here we're watching Ireland versus Italy. Ireland winning 5 0 at the moment, 10 minutes in. Not that it's relevant when you listen to this, but how and ever. Uh, Leroy Castlery is with us here. And uh, Leroy, talk me through these compression boots because I'm sat here in two big, huge boots up to my waist 
and they're just getting tighter and tighter and tighter. So what exactly are they doing? So what it'll do is it'll work from your foot all the way up to your grind area and it'll push, push in, push out. And what it's doing is it's pushing all the bad stuff out of your out of your legs so your any lactic acid any bad cells is built up in your legs and it, it's a squeeze and squeeze out and pushes it into your circular vascular system again create more blood oxygen in your blood and overall you should have a nice sensation after and you should feel your legs should feel a lot lighter and in general it's just a nice massage right so Leroy we're going to um, hop into the what do you call it exactly? Yeah, these are our cold plungers, so we've got two of them. One is at uh, seven degrees, the other's at four. So, Peter, we're going to put you into the four degrees first. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Right, will we go? Yeah, work Lovely. Away. Chris, will you do it together? Yeah, one. <laughs> okay, you ready? <gasps> right, straight in. Okay, so now. God, I can't feel my feet. <laughs> oh. We're getting into 40 degrees soon, yeah? Yeah, very soon. Grant! So we're just out of uh, CK Recovery Hub and uh, we've been baked, boiled and fried and it feels very good. We're all relaxed. All the muscles are relaxed, I think. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Leroy, do you have to be an athlete to come in and enjoy this facility? No, you don't at all. Um, so about 90% of the people that are coming through are athletes or they're training for a marathon or they're doing cycling. But there is that other 10% that we have and they're coming in for their wellness. So we people coming in and they're using the full facility and they're coming back with the feedback that they're getting greater sleep and they're feeling more energized through their day and these are people that are not training at all congratulations to yourself and david as well Leroy. Thanks, new david. business local lads doing well so thanks very much just beside mcdonald's here in mullingar so pop down and say hello to the lads thanks a million guys and thanks for coming really appreciate it doing all this for Barstown Children's Charity we're asking you to please give what you can. You can click on midlands103.com and you'll find Get Active with Midlands 103 uh, click on that, it'll take you to our I Donate page where you can donate or you'll find a post pinned to the top of our Facebook page and that'll take you there either and remember, donate €10 Euro or more and get entered into a draw to win a signed Manchester United jersey. Just click on midlands103.com and find Get Active Get active with Midlands 183. Powered by HearMed Healthcare in the heart of Tullamore. Here when you need us. HearMed.ie Managed to do 17 kilometres yesterday, I did. And it was not a very dry evening, as you know, and there were a few puddles. But running past Texas Tom's house thereabouts on the Charleville Road, there was a white van man. White van man, I know you went for that puddle, and as my friend Liam says... I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. So if you never splash me again, this will be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Why do we not give more hugs? She has seen boys and men, sons and grandsons, whether they feel weak or they're too proud or her own... Son said, well, 
we just don't do hugs in our family. And it's making her sad today. So you know what? Hug the people you love on Valentine's Day. That's the message from Kate. Sinead Hubble did all the hard work, put the programme together. Look forward to chatting tomorrow morning from nine. Take care. Bye-bye. Midlands Today with Bus Erin. Use your TFI Young Adult or Student Leap Card on board Bus Erin services as part of the Transport for Ireland network. Visit buserin.ie today.